Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. At what point does for the greater good give way to self-centeredness? At what point does obsession turn to madness? And at what point must a man admit he went too far? Let's find out in part one of my series review of The Fly. The original 1958 film spawned two sequels, 1959's Return of the Fly and 1965's Curse of the Fly, before being shelved for a considerable amount of time. It'd be another two decades before body horror master David Cronenberg would revitalize The Fly with his 1986 remake masterpiece, which would also receive a sequel in 1989 with The Fly 2. But first, we'll begin with the 1958 original The Fly, directed by Kurt Newman. Writer James Clavell adapted the screenplay from a 1957 short story of the same name by George Langelin. The Fly begins with a shocking murder. The good-hearted Francois, played by Vincent Price, is informed by his brother's seemingly lovely wife Helena, played by Patricia Owens, that she has just purposefully crushed her husband Andre in a hydraulic press. This bizarre and brutal crime is sudden and out of character for a seemingly idyllic couple, but behind every happy facade is a secret or two buzzing about. The film then works backwards as Helena explains to Francois and the by-the-book homicide inspector Charis, played by Herbert Marshall, over the course of the film the events that led to her husband's demise. As I have only previously seen David Cronenberg's masterful 1986 reboot of The Fly, I wasn't quite sure how the original would fare, given it'd be impossible to deliver the body horror goo, quite like Cronenberg. I was pleasantly surprised to find that Newman's The Fly is a fantastic 50s blend of atomic sci-fi and monster effects, wrapped up in a morose mad scientist mystery. The film is presented in gorgeous cinescope with color by deluxe that lets the technicolor palette pop off the screen, especially the neon-fueled special effects of Andre's laboratory experiments. Keep in mind I'm reviewing the Shout Factory Blu-ray Restoration Edition, which I found to be the definitive viewing experience. During the course of the investigation, Helena refuses to reveal why she killed her husband, but begins displaying an odd fascination and protection for houseflies. She shrieks in horror if her son or housekeeper attempt to swat them. During the course of her talks with Francois, we learned that Andre had become enraptured with the concept of teleportation, disappearing for weeks at a time inside his laboratory. This results in him designing and seemingly perfecting a teleportation device, which further distorts his passion into obsession. It isn't long before his successful tests with inanimate objects warrant animal and eventually human test trials. Given we all know the punchline to this mad scientist cautionary tale, Screenwriter James Clavell does an excellent job of employing a good amount of restraint in not getting to the fly too early on. This deft handling of the film's narrative focusing on characters in the present uncovering the mystery of Helena's actions not only enriches the characters themselves, but makes the payoff that much more enjoyable. The film's tone never succumbs to feeling silly or a light-hearted monster film, rather a morose take on 50s atomic fears. The Fly is of course building to the horrifying ramifications of Andre's meddling in technology that perhaps man should not be. Andre decides his experiment requires a successful human test trial to win the approval of his peers and volunteers himself as a subject. While his first test is successful, during his follow-up trial, a common housefly enters the teleportation chamber with him. 
This seemingly innocuous detail results in catastrophic ramifications as Andre and the fly's genes are spliced together, the fly receiving Andre's human head and hand, while Andre emerges from the contraption with the clawed hand and head of a fly. Not exactly what I would call a roaring success. Rather than immediately showing the audience his horrific disfiguration, Andre is covered in a sheet and communicates with Helena via typewriter notes, telling her he has had an accident that renders him incapable of speaking. They establish a rudimentary knock-once-for-yes, knock-twice-for-no system of communication, which limits Helena's ability to inquire as to the extent of his injuries, but allows Andre to avoid fully detailing his ordeal. This is another stroke of ingenuity from screenwriter Clavel, as by drawing out the ultimate insectoid reveal, it builds not only tension, but allows for several disturbing and unsettling shots from Newman. A recurring shot of Andre still with the sheet over his head, hunched over a bowl of milk and rum, and hearing an unnatural slurping sound emitting from underneath it is chilling and confusing to say the least. Or a close-up shot of his typewriters, he writes cryptic messages alluding to his brain saying strange things that hints at a loss of his cognitive functions. The culmination of this tension and unease comes to a head as Andre's sheet is removed from his head, revealing a monstrous fly head, and Helena quite instinctually screams in terror. Fun fact about this scene, not only was Patricia Owen scared of insects, but the director refused to let her see the fly's practical makeup before shooting the scene to elicit genuine fear from her. Further conveying the horrifying and atom-bending monstrosity that Andre has become, the camera cuts from his new disturbing form to the fly's point of view, showing the insect's mosaic vision of Helena screaming for her life. It's a simple decision that adds so much to what could have just been another standard monster reveal. Once we're shown the reveal and clear reason why Andre was killed, the film returns to the present where Francois attempts to persuade Charas not to incarcerate Helena to a psychiatric facility. Though it doesn't take long for Charas to see firsthand the reality of what Helena has told them. For as much as I enjoyed The Fly, it does unfortunately end on a bit of a whimper. The film's mostly dour cautionary tale tone is undercut by an intrusive studio happy ending. Apparently, 20th Century Fox had an issue with the short story's darker ending, that being Helena killing herself after her confession. Not only would this ending have fit the film's overall mood, but this shoehorned everything is perfect now ending goes against the film avoiding the 50s monster movie template it avoided for so long of its runtime. There is also the sad realization that director Kurt Newman would not live to see the popularity of The Fly, which would become his most profitable and popular film ever. Alas, the film would inspire four sequels that while I cannot speak to their quality yet, the original film sets a terrific stage for a monster series that has the potential to avoid feeling like anything else released in that era. A monster movie reliant on brains as much as it is bloodthirsty monsters. And that'll do it for part one of my Fly series review. Next week I'll tackle the 1959 sequel, Return of the Fly, that once again features Vincent Price, who described the decision to film the sequel in black and white as ridiculous. Curious to see if the lack of color hurts the sequel's ability to entice, quite like the original did. And that'll do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit. I'll see you guys tomorrow for another Daily Horror Movie Review. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram and at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.